0: What am I doing here? What are you doing here? I belong here! You belong in Cold River! This is Mortville! What are you doing here? You're not here! That's it! That's the only answer! You're not here! (laughs) Ha ha ha! You're not here! I'm imagining you! You're a figment of my imagination!
1: Well, if I was a figment of your imagination, could I do
0: this? Oh! Whoa! Oh, did something crawl in here and die? Whoa! You disgusting kid! You disgusting, flatulating kid! Whoa! I just had a new paint job, too! Oh, this is horrible! Huh, oh, great! What grade are you in? Third. Third? That means you're here for another four years. This is a mistake. This is a big mistake, because you are a genius. You are so intelligent. Anyone who can break wind like that has to have a mind. So I'm going to pass you on to the sixth grade. And in one year, you're going to be in another school. But my dad says third grade is the foundation of my education. Oh, your dad says that. Your dad is a moron! He's a moron! You know what a moron is? That's what your dad is! Anyway, you don't belong here! You belong in the sixth grade! That's where you are! Because you're a genius, kid! A genius! (laughs) Lalo,
1: THR here. I hope everybody is doing fantastic as I have a big episode ahead. I'm going to talk about AEW Rampage that popped off, not this past Friday, but the Friday before from a week ago, as well as the AEW Dynamite that popped off last Wednesday, which ended in a very, very confusing, uh, controversial manner to say the least. It lit up the IWC in flames. Um, and I'm also going to get into the Rampage that popped off yesterday, Friday. So before I get any of that stuff started, I do want to say R.I.P. Gilbert Gottfried. As you heard there in that opening uh, movie scene audio clip there of The Problem Child 2, of course, Gilbert Gottfried is... One of the voices of many a childhoods, including my own, Uh, specifically the Problem Child movies. I grew up with those movies. I think they're so underrated. Um, I guess they were never perceived as kids movies because, quite frankly, the first one had really dark humor for a kids movie. Um, I, I actually much preferred the second one. Uh, as a youth <laughs> those are movies I could still watch today as a grown ass adult I don't care what anybody says <laughs> but uh, Gilbert Gottfried of course would also land the role in Aladdin as uh, Jafar's henchman there that, that bird I forget what type of bird it was uh, exotic bird there um, but yeah uh, Gilbert Gottfried man just, uh, once again I want to send my condolences out uh, to everybody that was uh, affected by this loss Uh, Very untimely uh, passing there. And uh, he will be missed. I mean, that voice is iconic. You hear his voice, you already know who it is. He's like the Macho Man Randy Savage of Hollywood. Like, you hear that voice, (laughs) you know who it is. Of course, he's not... The voice that Macho Man had, of course, is way different. Obviously, his voice was macho. It was it was a gnarly kind of uh, you know. He just had a, a memorable voice, but Gilbert Godfrey's voice was actually kind of annoying, kind of like on the Fran Drescher, the nanny type of level. But Gilbert made up for it because the roles that he played in the movies that I've seen him in, it it was perfect. His voice added an extra element to the character he was portraying like that principle there and problem child two and he was in problem child one too i believe I, I don't remember his role in that one but yeah he uh just one of one of my childhood uh, uh voices that i grew up to so definitely will be missed guys uh wow i want to talk about real quickly that um uh, what's his name satnam singh closing the show uh last week's dynamite i would be remiss if i didn't just jump into that right now of course i'm gonna review the show as a whole in a minute at least briefly i'm gonna run through it as, as best as i can but what do you think about this satnam singh guy uh because honestly i don't know what to make of this everybody is you know throwing a shit storm in the iwc and rightfully so You know, you had a classic match here with Samoa Joe, Minoru Suzuki. You know, I want you to go back and watch that match. And look at the faces in the crowd, man. While they were slapping the shit out of each other. (laughs) You see people in the crowd smiling from ear to ear, man. Just in sheer happiness of what they're seeing. You know what I mean? Like, they know they're watching two legends exchanging a memorable moment here um the match itself i mean beyond the chops beyond the muscle buster um which i was surprised to see minoru suzuki eat a muscle buster to close i thought i really thought samoa joe was gonna make him tap out uh to the Coquina clutch or whatever he's gonna call it um but uh yeah um samoa joe defeated minoto suzuki for the roh television champion with the muscle buster um and then in the closing uh, moments of the match in the post match sunjay dutt j lethal they come out they uh do this little thing with the gift they open the gift and it reveal a middle finger and um the lights go out the crowd is in anticipation of this new debut because that's becoming like uh uh, the norm for aew whenever there's a debut they seem to cut off the lights for everybody and that is a that is a terrible overuse of a gimmick that should be used only for very important debuts like an adam cole like a brian danielson and like a malachi black in fact i surmise to believe that the lights going out deal should be an exclusive to malachi black if anything but nonetheless the lights go out the fans are anticipating who's it gonna be are we gonna see uh killer cross (laughs) are we gonna see um who who else is a uh, Bray wyatt the fiend no we we see this giant uh satnam singh guy from india uh who Uh, Tony Khan actually signed quite a while ago, actually. Like, I think a year and a half ago he signed it. I remember seeing it, that that he signed a basketball player or something like that. And then I I seen, uh, I was like, oh, snap, I wonder what basketball player he signed. And then it's this Indian guy. I'm like, okay, I don't know who that is, blah, blah, blah. So here he is now. And, of course, the number one thing on everybody's mind when they seen this man, including myself, I'm not going to lie, is... The Great Kali, Part 2 The All Elite Edition The memes were running rampant The Great Kali is All Elite <laughs> um, You know, the AEW has their own Omas Giant Gonzalez, you know I do have to concede that this was a very WWE way to end the show this was very WWE style to end the show. And, and you know, I got to admit, speaking on the part of WWE, AEW has been taking a lot of L's lately. I got to be honest, guys. You know, Lalo THR here, I'm, I'm a big AEW fanboy. This is all I talk about is AEW. When I first started this podcast, I used to talk about WWE, AEW, and boxing. You know what I mean? But now I exclusively just cover aew because it's the only wrestling brand out there that has pulled my interest for the most part you know wwe look i would watch raw if it was just two hours long but three hour raws i mean i barely have enough time to sit through aew shows these days um Which, incidentally, I do have an announcement I want to make regarding my time uh, for this podcast. And I'll, I'll get to that at the end of the show. So, stay tuned. But, uh... Yeah, man, um... AEW has been taking some serious L's lately. You know what I mean? I mean, between the Hardy Boys debacle with the Butcher and the Blade. And that absolutely terrible tables match that I really ragged on the last episode. Um... We had Marina Shafir also have a terrible showing. Um, it wasn't as bad as some of the pundits made it out to be, but it, it definitely wasn't as impactful as I would imagine they'd hoped for. She's basically another carbon copy of legit Layla Hirsch, who I have I have also uh, criticized in length. As a matter of fact, I surmise to believe they should put legit Layla Hirsch and Marina Shafir in a tag team. You know what I mean? Make make women's tag team a thing in, in AEW, you know? Um, and now this. Now this. You know, the lights going out and Sat seeing The crowd was absolutely dead. You know the old saying, what goes when they say, hey, you could have heard a pin drop. That's how quiet it was. I mean, you literally could have. <laughs> it was so quiet. You could have heard somebody passing gas in the audience it got really quiet because nobody knew who this man was and that is not the way to debut someone that doesn't uh have a name yet that nobody recognizes you don't have the first of all the lights going out where did this come from guys where did this come from i i i surmise to believe this was a wwe uh invention you know what i mean the lights would go out for the undertaker um you mainly like supernatural type characters that's what i always associated the lights going out i always associated that with a supernatural type of character like an undertaker like a cane like a perhaps a um steam you know what i mean when they did it for malachi black that was perfect that was the perfect use i like how remember when malachi black debuted right The lights actually flickered for a little bit early on in the show, long before his segment. And then when the lights went out again later on in the show, and they come back on and he's there, it made sense because it fits his character, you know? Everybody else that they've used that lights out shtick for, it doesn't make sense to me. Now, on the part of Brian Danielson and Adam Cole at All Out, that I can understand just because they are monumental signings you know what i mean so i can get that these guys there it's a whole different thing and actually they didn't do the lights out gimmick for brian danielson just for uh adam cole you know but that made sense even even though uh, character wise it might not seem like it makes sense but for the impact of that moment it made sense but you can't overuse that gimmick because it's not for everyone. It shouldn't be for everyone. That's my main gripe. You know, it's not even about Satin I'm seeing and, and nobody knowing him. It's just about the fact that from a character basis, like why the lights go out for this man? You know what I mean? He's not a supernatural character. He's he's just a dual sport athlete. That's his gimmick, right? He's a dual sport athlete He's a basketball player or former basketball player. I guess we can say now Um, He's a big dude He's a really big dude. He's gotta be like uh, Man, I don't even know like as big as Shaq probably bigger bigger than Shaquille O'Neal. So Yeah, man, um, what can I say? what can i say I, i'm definitely just as baffled and befuddled as everybody else by this crazy turn of events here with this Saturnum singh guy and I'll, I'll delve a little more into it in the dynamite review i don't know how much more i can add to that though i just had to get that out of the way now speaking of getting things out of the way uh before i get into the rampage review from a week ago i do want to mention that los Sparks. Uh, La Parca and his sons have been fired from major league wrestling following a planned backstage brawl that devolved into a real-life fight. Um, it, it involved themselves and Joseph Fatu getting into some kind of scrap. And they even gave him an unplanned chair shot to the back of the head that split Joseph Fatu wide open. And he was confused. He said in an interview he had no idea, like, what to make of the situation. He kind of figured that they were uh, really laying it in on him. But he didn't want to uh, ruin the illusion. Because he's a professional. And these guys were clearly not being professionals in this moment here. Now, thus far, there is no rhyme or reason for their actions. Many believe this could cost them booking elsewhere. Yeah, you think? I'm very, very disappointed in La Parca. I wanna I wanna say that right now because I grew up with I grew up watching that guy, man. Uh, you know, WCW back in the day seen him come out with the chair. He was the original chairman, no Sean Spears. You know what I'm saying? La Parca was the original chairman, coming out with the steel chair, doing his little strut, his little dance. And um he was la Parca was like kind of like pentagon before pentagon was a thing you know what i mean he was just this cool mexican luchador with the sick ass mask and get up that you know just had he oozed with swag you know what i mean he dripped with swag and with coolness and i always loved la Parca. you know he, he he was never the best wrestler he was never the best luchador you know, he was kind of outshined by Huvi uh, the Juice, Guerrera, and Psicosis, C- and Rey Mysterio, and Eddie Guerrero, and uh, I mean, even you know, Chris Jericho and cats like that. You know what I mean? But just his character, from a character standpoint, he was always memorable to me. And now to see that he went unprofessional and legitimately hurt this man, clearly with intention, with his sons. That is not the way you wanna do business, and I'm very disappointed in La Parca. This is very disappointing news, and I I had to cover that right away because that's a serious matter there. Um, You know, in professional wrestling, the wrestlers have a code that you're not supposed to break. You know what I mean? You know, when we see these wrestlers going out there and performing and they're acting like they hate each other right they're acting like they despise each other you've seen the crazy freaking match i'm gonna get to it wheeler Yuta, and john moxley at last week's rampage you've seen how freaking insane that was with the blood everywhere right but guess what these wrestlers they're actually trying to protect each other that's the beautiful art form of pro wrestling that these guys in reality they're actually trying to protect each other from not getting hurt even though it may appear on screen or in person if you're there live that these guys are trying to murder each other in that ring it's actually the complete opposite they're trying to protect each other you know what i mean and just put on a good show make good money uh, so they can do it next week at another venue right so La Parca broke the code, and that's not a way to show your sons how to do business either. I'm very disappointed, and I don't ever want to see him booked anywhere again. That's how serious this issue is. I'm surprised that a lot of the pundits are not talking about this story. Uh, that really caught me off guard when I read that, you know. I barely read that this morning. I think this, this situation actually is kind of uh, like past tense already. It's kind of old. Uh, but I'm, I barely read about it this morning. So that is uh, that is very, very disappointing news to say the least. But let's move on into Rampage from last week. Uh, Trent Barreto and Brian Danielson did business as William Regal sat out there in commentary. Now, this was a continuation of the unofficial Blackpool Combat Club feud with the super best friends clique, if you will. Um, I guess the Blackpool Combat Club is annihilating the best friends and then they're gonna annihilate Jericho Appreciation Society most likely afterwards I would imagine um, their whole goal uh, their, their mission statement if you will seems to be to destroy the silly goofs of AEW and I can dig that that's a really cool uh, mission statement to have because AEW they, uh, they have quite a bit of goofs <laughs> in their promotion uh, perhaps Dan Hawson is next. Maybe maybe Blackpool Combat Club should just beat the brakes off of Dan Hassen and send his ass packing to ROH. <laughs> That's what I would do if I was the booker here. Um, Brian Danielson defeats Beretta with the LaBelle lock, but not without making him look like a star. Beretta, he's a very, very uh, good talent. He's a good worker. He's solid. I want to see the super best friends all retreat to ROH, if I'm being honest. I don't think they're needed on the primary AEW brand. I think these guys would help to boost ROH. Guys like Trent Beretta, Chuck Taylor. Who, by the way, is a big ROH alumni. He, he did some good business there, to my understanding. As well as Orange Cassidy. I think Orange Cassidy has pretty much done everything he could. On the AEW primary brand. He He had received a pretty sizable push in the beginning. But I think um, ever since Brian Danielson and CM Punk and Adam Cole and all these cats came, I think that's uh, that ship has sailed. You know what I mean? I think Orange Cassidy has reached his peak as far as AEW itself. But in ROH, hey, I could see Orange Cassidy win that Pure Title. You know what I mean, or something. Um, but yeah, man, that's that's my opinion there. Shane Strickland defeats QT Marshall. And ahead of this match, we saw Sammy Cringe Guevara and Ty Conti continue their cringy assault on Dan Lambert in the Men of the Year. Um, I think Jay Lethal and uh, Shane Strickland would be a very good program. I I put that on my notes, a little asterisk here that I put in my notes that uh, Jay Lethal and Shane Strickland would be a very good uh, program. Of course, it does appear that Jay Letho is involved with Samoa Joe right now in a feud. But yeah, man, somewhere down the line, definitely Jay Letho and Shane Strickland could do some good business. Because, you know, Jay Letho is a veteran who is just as athletically gifted as Shane Strickland and almost equally as charismatic. Um, and he can be the guy to propel Shane Strickland to the next level. It does appear that Jay lethal might be part of aew's roh brand uh developmental brand if and when it becomes so we have to wait and see of course tony khan has another major announcement quote unquote coming up at next week's aew dynamite i it could perhaps pertain to roh there's rumors it could pertain to a big njpw aew super show in chicago um, that would be kind of cool. I am I mean, I'm thinking it's probably pertaining to the video game deal because uh, there's actually been a lot of big news going around lately about their video game and that it's actually releasing a lot sooner than we think in September this year. I predicted a holiday release, uh, but hey, close enough. September works for me. That's actually my birth month. So hell, could be a birthday present. You know what I'm saying? Um, I wouldn't mind it. Just got an Xbox Series X, finally, upgraded from the Series S. But anyway, yeah, if y'all want an Xbox Series X, they've been readily available at Best Buy, um, at least over here in sunny SoCal. Shane Strickland beat the brakes off of QT Marshall. Nothing to see there. Alexi Nair... Uh, daughter of diamond Dallas page incidentally something. I barely found out recently uh, She tries to interview hook and they continue the Dan Hawson hook interactions, which everybody seemed to love guys I keep I keep iterating this reiterating this but I have to continue to reiterate it I do not get Dan Hawson. I, I really don't I'm sorry, you know, I, I've never been the cool kid in school um (laughs) probably doesn't take a scientist to figure that one out but i i I, i'm sorry i'm not one of the cool kids i do not get dan hawson at all um he's a funny looking guy he talks funny i guess his character is funny but he this kind of character does not have a very long shelf life and i feel like even though he's still relatively new to the company I feel like his shtick has already ran it's course. And, and just the fact that they're putting him with Hook now. I, I mean, I don't, I really feel like Hook shouldn't have anything to do with this guy. Although I guess in a sense, it kind of makes sense <laughs> because they're both like internet darlings, right? I mean, Hook, he was super over before I even seen him Get in the ring. And I remember I used to say I don't understand Hook. But then once I seen him perform in the ring, I have a whole episode where I'm I'm pretty much uh ranting and raving about how awesome Hook looked in the ring. <laughs> but now Dan Hawson is here. Um and I don't know what he could do in the ring. And so far his character is just hit or miss for me it's it's kind of funny but not funny enough where i'm like yeah man i can't wait to see dan Hawson again next week no i want the blackpool combat club to literally just beat the brakes out of dan Hawson. like beat the shit out of his ass in the ring in the middle of the ring you know what i mean wash that face paint off you know um, just give him a crimson mask and send his ass packing to roh that's what i want to see Alexi Nair, she tried to interview Hook, and then Dan Hawson came out of a trash can trying to curse Hook again. Um, and then Hook does, ignores it. Dan Hawson starts eating the chips that Hook had just thrown in the trash. Ha 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 ha. Insert the laugh track here. Um, Ricky Starks announces that on Dynamite, we will see himself and Will Hobbs take on Shane Strickland and Keith Lee. That popped off this past episode of AEW Dynamite. I will get into that in just a few. Willow Nightingale takes on Red Velvet. This is a Owen Hart Cup Women's Qualifier. I believe they're calling it the Owen Hart Foundation Tournament. Um Red Velvet wins the bout and receives unnecessary hate. Um, I don't know why Red Velvet isn't liked very much by the fans. She is absolutely adorable, uh, and so is Willow Nightingale, for that matter. You know Willow. I don't know much about her. I know she is a indie darling. She's been around in the indies, um, long-time starlet of the indies, and it's very nice to see her have a look on AEW TV. The highlight of the match was the wicked pounce that Willow hit, a tribute to OG Money Brown. <laughs> Um, back in the day TNA alumni there I think WWE had called him uh, Demarcus Corvan as part of the ECW new breed back in the day um, anyway there was also a few sloppy moments in the match notably when Willow Nightingale attempted a moonsault and Red Velvet was supposed to avoid it although it got part of her but she no sold it anyway like it completely missed but other than that uh i'm happy to see these women get a look and it appears judging from uh this past episode of dynamite red velvet is now aligned with jade cargill she was part of the quote-unquote baddie section <laughs> i know i had uh, some words to spare about the baddie section not being very baddie uh in the last episode but this baddie section consisting of red velvet and uh kiera hogan yeah that's a baddie section right there that i could get behind uh quite literally that's a (laughs) that's a a baddie section right there uh kiera hogan and red velvet very talented ladies and jade cargill i mean what can i say she's made of money um we get a match of the year candidate here to close out this episode of Rampage with John Moxley and Wheeler Yuta. I already alluded to it. John Moxley was just overpowering Yuta the whole match. The story of the match was just the warrior spirit of Wheeler Yuta. And I didn't know this kid had it in him. I got to be honest like I heard that he was actually just as good if not better when he was on the indies and people are barely seeing what he can do now that he's on aew tv and indeed i'm one of those people i've never seen wheeler yuda before i think his name is very weird you know wheeler yuda i don't know but uh you know that doesn't matter because this performance really uh if wheeler yuda wasn't a made man already then he is now um, because he just kept coming and coming no matter how many times John Moxley knocked him down. you know it reminded me remember um <laughs> y'all remember uh the last samurai starring Tom Cruise. You know what I mean? That one scene where uh, he's like practicing, like he's dueling with a Japanese samurai guy. Um, and they got fake swords, right? They got just, just sticks, you know, but they're like practicing. And the Japanese samurai guy just whoops his ass. Like he's knocking him down over and over and over again. But Tom Cruise kept getting up. You know what I mean? He kept getting up. <laughs> and each time he got up, he would get hit harder and hit the floor even harder it was raining and everything it's one of the most memorable scenes to me um and that's what this reminded me of you know wheeler yuda was like tom cruise in this match from the last samurai <laughs> just my astute observation there uh, of course, John Moxley would win this match via uh, tap-out victory as Willer Yuta didn't even tap. The referee just called it off. He had blood streaming down his face while in a, in a crossface of some sort. It, it was like very uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Bret Hart-esque right from that, that infamous, uh, oh, real famous, notable matchup there uh where it's like a double turn red heart like turned heel in that match and austin clearly winning the crowd over with the blood streaming down his face as he's in agony in that sharpshooter um yeah, that was very this was very reminiscent of that. And I am very proud and happy for Wheeler Yuta man. What a what a story this is becoming. You know, I didn't believe in it in the beginning cuz just because again, it's not that I didn't like Wheeler Yuta, but I was just saying like I think he would be better in ROH. And and I still kind of do to be honest. I still kind of do just because of the fact that hey, uh, you know, Tony Khan has this whole new promotion now to run he needs talent on that brand, and it's perfect because AEW's roster is already bloated as all hell. So it's not gonna hurt them to send several guys to ROH, and I and I and I think Wheeler Yuta would be a wonderful fit for ROH. He's the the ROH Pure Champion right now, so I suppose that's kind of what they're gonna do anyway. But it remains to be seen. He's been on AEW programming uh, all week now. Nah, no, but we'll have to wait and see about that but yeah man this was a match of the year candidate and this is the way you want to end a show you know you have william regal in tow and they, they shake his hand you know will or yuda earning the respect of the lord of war that's how you want to end a show Alright, now let's go ahead and get into this past week's AEW Dynamite episode that was topped off with the Ring of Honor World Television Championship being on the line as Samoa Joe takes on Minoru Suzuki in an absolute dream match for AEW. I don't know if these two men have crossed paths before. Would not surprise me if they already have, but definitely felt like a very brand new first ever type of encounter. Was very special uh even though it was kind of tainted with the way (laughs) the show ended uh penta oscuro takes on cm punk that was the opening of the show mjf versus captain sean dean as sean dean has a winning streak of the century going right now keith lee And Swerve Strickland take on Ricky Starks and powerhouse Hobbs. Very happy to see Hobbs get the W over Keith Lee. I think that was the right way to go and I'll get into that in a little bit. Marina Shafir takes on Sky Blue um i believe this was a owen hart foundation qualifier i believe uh and yeah marina shafir is not winning (laughs) the owen hart cup i can tell you right now or the owen i think they're gonna just call it she's not gonna win the owen we get a trios match, six-man tag, Eddie Kingston, Santana, Ortiz taking on Chris Jericho, Jake Hager, and Daniel Garcia, the JAS Jericho Appreciation Society, and the AEW Tag Team Championship bout, Uh, Jurassic Park (laughs) Jurassic Park (laughs) Jurassic Express (laughs) Defend to Red Dragon Uh, That match I gotta be honest I actually do not remember that match I think I I, uh, stepped out for a minute (laughs) During that match But let's get to the opening match of the day here As CM Punk Comes out to a ruckus crowd There in New Orleans As well as Penta Oscuro um you know Penta Oscuro taking on this dark gimmick here um I dig it I just think that his uh <laughs> Alex Eberhantes, you know his associate there he needs to chill with his his get up and his character change I think it's way unnecessary it's not needed but he seems like he's having a good time I mean, he probably takes a bump with Tony Khan before he comes out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> he gets some of that soda in him. And uh, he he looks like he has a wild time. Like, he's a guy that has a lot of fun. But um, this match, you want to talk about dream matches, guys? You know, when CM Punk first made that amazing debut on Rampage, um, it was, it was uh, immediate like a light bulb flashed in my head like cm punk facing off with Benta, that's gonna be a sight to see and i got to see it last wednesday as uh bentha and cm punk and you know you could tell that cm punk has a lot of respect for Benta and vice versa the way they were looking at each other and looking at the crowd like they knew they were instantly in involved in a memorable moment That's what pro wrestling is about, you know. It's about the moments. It's about the stories and the drama and the feeling, you know. And this match made me feel some type of way. I gotta be honest. Because I'm seeing two of my absolute favorites, man. You know, Pentagon and CM Punk squaring off. That was a dream match. And the match itself was fantastic. Um, CM Punk did have a few missteps in the match. I gotta be honest. I think, you know... CM Punk wrestling Penta Penta's the kind of guy he's not used to wrestling You know Penta's a little quicker He's a little quicker on his feet man. He's a little smoother than most cats And so CM Punk did have some Misfires in this matchup Most notably when he fell off the top rope attempting a uh, uh jumping her and can a super and can off the top rope and he like fell off um and punk was a professional man he sold it like like if hey it was a legit mistake and guess what i fucked up my knee in the process so that that became part of the story of the match punk was selling that knee you know and of course penta started working over the knee they turned it into a story and that's what you're supposed to do um I was really uh, surprised to see even though he you know kind of hurt his knee from falling off the rope he actually did his vintage uh, diving clothesline off of the apron from the rope you know that he used to do a lot in the WWE back then. That was really cool to see. Um, and it, the, the execution of the ending of the match was perfect. You know what I mean? With with Punk uh, catching Pentagon on his shoulders, man. And delivering that go to sleep. And the way Pentagon sold it. The way he fell, man. He just fell like, like a, a sack of potatoes, man. It was perfect. And then, of course, Punk fell with him and did the pin. And when the ref counted to three and the bell rang. You seen CM Punk tell something... Uh, say something in pentagon's ear he probably said thank you you know and it's tradition that's what wrestlers do especially after a match like that you got two studs in the ring uh so yeah it looked like punk had said thank you uh, to pentagon man if you pay attention closely uh at the end of that match and i wouldn't mind seeing it again man this was uh this was a great moment great moment All right, guys. Up next, we had the tag title match with uh, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, Jurassic Park. (laughs) Defending against Red Dragon. Um, Now, I got to be honest with you guys. I did not watch this match. I I did step out. Um, But... From what I, from what I'm reading, this was a match that really solidified Jungle Boy that he's actually really coming to his own and developing some serious in ring game, uh, to the point that he is a genuine top ten worker in the company. That's as per Bleacher Report saying so at least. Um, okay, I definitely believe that because I I said that already, like you know months ago that Jungle Boy is really coming into his own. I think the only thing that jungle boy needs to work on is his promos once he gets his promos down pat oh man the sky's the limit for this kid he, he really is because he's a good looking guy and he could go in the ring all that's left is to work on his promo game and you know if i'm being honest guys too i really think he needs to lose the jungle gimmick at some point down the line i really do um and and he should just go by his real name jack perry in fact i like how how jim ross already kind of acknowledges him by his real name he calls him jungle boy jack perry and that's a very old school kind of alias to have as well right jungle boy jack perry that just sounds like so retro you know and i can dig that but he needs to lose that jungle gimmick, I really think. You know, in the future, for now he could roll with it and but he needs to lose Luchasaurus and lose that jungle getup, I guess is what I'm saying. Cause he needs to be taken seriously at some point if he wants to vie for the AEW title in the not too distant future, and I can dig that. I definitely think that he has potential to go to the maximum. Now, this was just a vehicle really to continue to promote FTR and their current humongous push they're getting right now as the AAA tag champs as well as the ROH tag champs. Guys, I would not mind that if next week on Dynamite, FTR dethrone Jurassic Express for the tag titles. You know what I mean? Because I know they're former AEW tag champs already, but to see them with all the tag titles, let them become the tag team belt collectors. Like how Kenny Omega was the bout collector in the singles division. Why not we have tag team belt collectors because that's something that's never been done. And AEW should be in the business of doing things that have never been done before. You want press you want headlines you want people talking put the tag straps on ftr give them the run of a lifetime i don't care about aew's tag division right now i really don't you know santana and ortiz they're a lost cause these guys proud and powerful they should have been tag champs aew squandered them we never got to see lucha bros and proud and powerful which is a match that writes itself we never got to see it the gun club they're getting a push these kids have a long ways to go Red Dragon As long as they're involved with Adam Cole They don't even need the tag straps right now They're involved in one of the hottest clicks, One of the hottest acts in the business right now Nobody cares Okay That leaves FTR Give them the tag titles Have them smash on Bear Country Have them smash on The Gun Club again Have them smash on um, I don't know the young bucks again i wouldn't mind seeing while they also go back and forth to roh it really established them as the greatest tag team in the history of the business because daddy i believe that they are i really do i've been saying that forever now i really have i've been saying it ftr in my opinion even before they won the roh titles from the Briscoe bros and put on another match of the year candidate Ahead of their match of the year candidate with the Young Bucks. I've been saying it. FTR are, without a shadow of a doubt, the best tag team in the business right now. And there is no argument. There is no debate. You know, the Usos are great. Um, They are great. But I think FTR are better. I really do. So, that's that, man. That's that. Let's move on captain sean dean defeats mjf you heard that correctly <laughs> of course if you're listening to this i'm sure you've already watched dynamite and you've watched rampage from last night as well but in case you haven't watched yeah guys you're hearing it correctly captain sean dean has defeated mjf now it was via shenanigans as wardlow once again it's a becoming a weekly thing you know where wardlow kills a bunch of security guards <laughs> until he's overpowered by the real security guards (laughs) that are not actors or or like developmental wrestlers you know what i mean in security guard outfits it's becoming a weekly gag now kind of like south park how kenny dies every episode oh my god they killed kenny well on aew it's wardlow killing security guards every week now you know what i mean i I think they should run with this i think like (laughs) They should like wa- you know follow him around with a camera. They should do a, a like a video package of him like <laughs> destroying security guards at random like shopping centers and like he goes to Starbucks or he goes to uh, uh, the Target and then gets a mocha latte or whatever from Starbucks and destroys all the Target employees and I don't know it's some some stupid shit like that. It would really uh, pop me, but. Wardlow provided the distraction, causing Sean Dean to defeat MJF via count-out. Now, Sean Dean, apparently he is a uh, a former military veteran. He's a military... Well, not a former. He's a military veteran a military personnel. Um, I don't know what branch of military he was in, but he was dressed out there like... Like OG uh uh who was it Bruce Willis in Tears of the Sun? <laughs> he was dressed like a like a special operative, you know, of the US military. Like he, his face was painted like Rambo. Um <clears throat> he had like this military getup, you know. It looks sick. I got to admit like Sean Dean actually looks like a badass and the fact that he was a legitimate military guy um that makes him even more of a badass so i i like that for him i think that's a really cool gimmick um and you know they should make him a lot more they should make him a lot more credible though like beating mjf by count now is not gonna do much for sean dean like they need to really showcase him because if he has that legit uh, credibility there of being a former military guy he should be he should be presented as a much bigger threat you know what I mean in the singles division, whether it's whether he goes for the, uh, <coughs> the TNT title or the AEW title. I was gonna say Rampage title. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, man, Wardlow and MJF—they're really building this thing up. It's a slow burn. That's AEW's hey. Uh, that's their MO. That's their modus operandi. You know, they let things simmer they let things burn to a slow burn you know what i mean um they let things cook to a simmer <laughs> and that's what they're doing here with wardlow and mjf you guys gotta pay for the pay-per-view man wardlow's gonna smash on mjf at probably double or nothing um you know or maybe they'll stretch it even longer and have them do it at at all out i don't know but um but it's getting there it's getting there guys eddie kingston Santana and Ortiz take on the Jericho Appreciation Society Consisting of uh, Chris Jericho, Jake Kager, and Daniel Garcia Of course, the 2.0 goons would uh, have some physicality later on uh, But this was actually, you know, Eddie Kingston and Proud and Powerful Them as a trio That's a very good move, you know I like them as a trio It makes sense These guys are New Yorkers you know what I mean? They they got that Puerto Rican thing. They got that Latino thing going on. They're East Coasters. I mean, I, I think it's, it's a perfect match. You know, I always, to be honest with you, I always kind of felt like Proud and Powerful didn't fit with Chris Jericho. Honestly, I always kind of felt like that. You know what I mean? Um, just because they're just radically different styles. Jericho is the heavy metal guy. And Proud and Powerful are the hip-hop heads, hip-hop aficionados, as is Eddie Kingston. Um, So, I don't know. It's just like a culture clash. You know, I never really seen it fit. But, of course, Jericho, being as talented as he is, of course, he made it work. Because that's what he does. Because Jericho is the GOAT. I don't care what anybody says. He's the GOAT. He is the greatest of all time. So, he made that work. But, yeah, man. Eddie Kingston and Proud and Powerful as a trio. I could see them being trio's champs. If those things ever become a thing, I'm waiting on them trios' titles. I think it's, you know, past the point of no return at this point. We have to see. We'll we'll have to wait and see. But um, nonetheless, guys, it would be Eddie Kingston and his crew. Did they win this match? Wait a minute. I don't even remember who won this match, actually. I'm over here ranting and raving about how I like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> eddie kingston and uh hold on hold on a second okay yeah so i got ahead of myself eddie kingston and his crew did not win this match it was jericho appreciation society and that makes sense i mean if, you know you gotta order the pay-per-view if you want to see eddie kingston beat jericho and well him and his crew beat jericho you know he already beat him he already beat him but yeah man um jericho appreciation society it's real it's real it's gonna take me a while to uh really get into this crew um it has to grow on me let's put it like that there was yeah so jericho appreciation society won via shenanigans like i said 2.0 goons came in um and provided the distraction incidentally uh eddie kingston he came out with a shirt it was a It was a plain white T with the red letters THUMP and (laughs) this actually baffled me at first because I swore on my mama that it said Trump. I thought it said Trump like Donald Trump and I never (laughs) I could never imagine in a million years Eddie Kingston being a, a Donald Trump guy um not that there's anything wrong with that but i'm just saying i never would have thought that but no it said thump and that apparently was a paid homage to new orleans legend and wwe hall of famer incidentally a junkyard dog um so definitely mad respect there i i do know junkyard I, I never seen him obviously he's way past way before my time but um i remember i played played as him you know in the smackdown games back in the day and um he seemed like he was a real cool fun baby face character for his time um and yeah man that's an awesome that's an awesome tribute there you love to see it it appears that uh, we're building towards a match between Hook and Tony Nese, uh next week. Uh, and that'll be Hook's debut on Dynamite. I, You know, man, <clears throat> as much as I like Hook and I do, Hook is great. I'm a believer in him just because I actually seen what he could do in the ring. And he's not bad at all. But if they feed Tony Nese to Hook, that's just wrong, man. You know, you look at Tony Nese, that dude, oh my God, he is freaking shredded. The dude, I mean, he looks like he can legitimately smash on someone like Hook in a real life fight. You know what I mean? So it's going to be very hard for me to believe that Hook could beat a guy like Tony Nese. So if that's what they're going for... um needless to say it's it's gonna be interesting but if if hook smashes on tony niece man it's gonna be hard for me to buy that i'm just gonna say it now before we get to that episode i'm just gonna call it now it's gonna be very hard for me to buy this this youngster hook smashing on a shredded beast like tony niece it's gonna be very hard You know what? That should be his alias. That sounded good right there, didn't it? (laughs) The shredded beast, Tony Nice. Yo, I'm telling you, y'all, hey, y'all need to hire me. Tony Khan, you have my number, bro. (laughs) Give me a call. Nah, man. Um, Marina Shafir takes on Sky Blue. Um, Now, Sky Blue, the irony here is that she's supposed to be the proverbial jobber you know or enhancement talent as they call them these days but yet I've noticed that Sky Blue she gets a much bigger fan reception than anybody that ends up squashing her I've seen it on on a number of occasions this is just one example Um, as Marina Shafir came out and she got no reaction and meanwhile Sky Blue who's in the ring didn't even get an entrance she was already in the ring When Justin Roberts presented her, announced her, the crowd popped for Sky Blue. It was a little pop, you know. It wasn't like, you know, nothing crazy. But, you know, she actually got some reception. She got a reaction from the crowd. um, And Marina Shafir did not. And Marina Shafir did not... Listen, man, everybody is ragging on Marina Shafir. I'm not gonna sit here and say she looked terrible, even though I probably did in the opening. (laughs) But I'm gonna say that she just, she's just like legit Layla Hirsch, man, in more ways than one. She's like a carbon copy of legit Layla Hirsch, where like she just doesn't look natural. She looks like she's acting, like very, like, you know, a pro wrestler's job is to obviously make everything look real, right? Even though it's 100% not real, that they're supposed to exude it like it's real and make it feel natural and also make you believe that they're not acting, that they're really, you know, but like people like Marina Shafir and legit Leila Hirsch, they just don't have that talent to do that. They look very clearly like they're trying, like they're acting, like they are it's not natural what they're doing. It's not organic. You see Marina Shafir's entrance. Look at her when she's taking off her hoodie. Look at her hands shaking. I mean, I'm sure she was nervous. That was her debut there on, on the big stage. But she did not look natural at all. She was so awkward. And of course, as the crowd was super quiet, everybody could see you know, I'm not just ragging on this lady. Everybody could see it. And um, I, I, quite frankly, I felt kind of bad for her. I really did. When, when she was like shaking, as she was taking off her hoodie. Go back and watch that match. If y'all don't remember or know what I'm talking about, go pay attention very closely. When Marina Shafir walks down the ramp, and as she's walking, like, she has this blank stare in her face. You know what I mean? Like, she, I mean, she's trying to look intense, but again, it looks like she's acting. Like, it's not normal. It's not organic. It looks like she's putting on a front. You feel me? And then as she's walking, she's, like, trying to take off her hoodie, guys. And her hands are shaking, bro. Like, they are trembling. I'm telling you right now like like she walking out in the snow go back and watch it you'll see i i felt bad for her quite frankly i was like damn man poor broad she's she's over here she's nervous poor a little sky blue in there this little 20 year old chick or however old she is she's getting more of a reception (laughs) she's supposed to be the jobber um yeah that was sad man and marina shafir she she's actually the wife of a real prominent wrestler too but I don't remember who. I want to say I want to say Roderick Strong I want to say or somebody like that. I remember reading that she's the real life wife of like a very good wrestler that that uh is either still in WWE or not but a really good wrestler so it's it's sad that sometimes you know not everybody could be like Britt baker and adam cole you know where you have a pair there they're both freaking solid in everything that they do they rub off on each other but i guess marina shafir uh has not gotten that blessing from her husband you know what i'm saying in in that department it remains to be seen So then we get the uh, Team Taz affair as Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs, they battle Swerve Strickland and Keith Lee in a match weeks in the making. We got a little mini rivalry here and and this is a good way to to get Shane Strickland into the thick of things as well as Keith Lee. I mean, Keith Lee, you know, he's still relatively new as well. and this was a this was a very good uh, match. You know what I mean? This was a very, very good match, man. You have you had the athleticism, you had the power, and powerhouse Hobbs coming in clutch with the big spine buster on Will Hobbs. Uh on Keith Lee. My bad. <laughs> yeah, he did the spine buster on himself, huh? Um glitch in the matrix. I don't know, but Taz came out, and I'm happy that Taz is like reprising his role, if you will. As uh, the henchman, as the mouthpiece for Team Taz, because it seems like he's pretty much become more of a commentator now, as opposed to his original role, which was to be with Team Taz full time. Um, now he does, you know, do bias commentary whenever they're in the ring on Rampage and stuff. But I don't know, man. I I love Taz on commentary, and I do want him to stay on commentary. But I also want him to have a much more prominent role. With his boys, Team Taz. And he provided the distraction that caused Will Hobbs and Ricky Starks to win the bout. And Ricky Starks, I gotta say, man, he's growing on me. This guy really is actually growing on me, you know. And I used to kind of rag on him a little bit. I mean, listen, like I said in the last episode... I never criticized Ricky Starks for his in-ring work, all I've ever said was that as far as people comparing him to The Rock, that he has The Rock's charisma, that I still do not see and never will see because ain't nobody could be like The Rock, you gotta be a very special individual to have The Rock's charisma, very few could match it, maybe John Cena, that's about it. You know, very few people could match The Rock's charisma. Ricky Starks does not have The Rock's charisma, but he is growing on me. Definitely from a character basis and from a worker basis. I mean, he is growing on me. I will admit it. I like his theme song. His theme song is a bop. I will admit. It was a good match. Definitely a much better match than the uh, (laughs) Marina Shafir Sky Blue match. Alright guys, now this Thunderous main event that I already kind of covered in the opening there. I didn't cover the match itself, mostly just the, uh, uh, the crazy, uh, disappointing, <laughs> flat debut of Satnam Singh. But, um, yeah, man, like I said, Minoru Suzuki, Samoa Joe, they just chopped the holy hell out of each other. They were both redder than a strawberry. I mean, they were just, their chests, they were bleeding, man. They were bleeding. They were just, they chopped the shit out of each other. Minoru Suzuki, you could tell, he loves that shit, man. Like, he's a, (laughs) he enjoys it he enjoys it you could visibly see it on his face like he enjoys getting beat the shit out of like slapped around there was times when he was teasing a a a pile driver and then he said nah uh -uh." and he lifted joe back out of it out from under his legs and said one more time and (laughs) and joe started slapping the shit out of his chest again everybody was having a good time That's what made this match so special to watch Because they weren't doing much Let's be honest Let's be honest guys Let's be honest You know Minoru Suzuki matches They just consist of a plethora of chops Maybe a clothesline Maybe a pile driver And that's all she wrote But in spite of that I could watch these guys chop the shit out of each other For you know For a whole 15-20 minutes that's basically what we saw (laughs) and everybody was having a blast including myself ultimately Samoa Joe nabbed the W with the muscle buster winning the ROH television championship and then Sanjay Dutt and Jay Lethal do their shtick the lights go out and Satnam Singh NBA player he is in the ring and you can hear the crickets you can hear the passing of gas you can hear anything because it was as quiet as the nighttime. It was so quiet. And he got no reaction. You know, this, this really was like the Great Kali all over again when he came out on SmackDown and smashed on the Undertaker. <laughs> but um what can I say? There is a reason for this. You know, AEW is trying to build a presence in India. Satnam Singh being an Indian guy from Punjab you know let's see they gotta make them money moves i still think there could have been another way though they didn't have to have him come out and beat up on samoa joe after that amazing match there could have been another way to do this you know what i'm saying and um that's just me but overall aew dynamite besides that debacle in the end it was a very solid show AEW has been taking L's lately though As I said, I gotta be honest You know, WWE had an incredible Wrestlemania And then AEW has just been taking L's ever since So they really gotta, they got some work to do, man To build back up Because I don't know, man I don't know what's happening It just feels like AEW is changing And I got some news on that change Matter of fact, a former WWE guy in AEW. Let's get into the news section. Alright, guys, so actually, before we get into the news of the day, let's talk about AEW Rampage that popped off last night as the Blackpool Combat Club took on the Gun Club in the opener there. And this is a continuation of the massive push that young stud Wheeler Yuta is currently receiving as he went over in this match as well, pinning. Uh, Billy Gunn and Billy Gunn is freaking jacked I wasn't going to call him a giant I was going to say pinning the giant Billy Gunn Because quite frankly he he does look like a giant Compared to a lot of uh, AEW personnel Including Wheeler Yuta Um, So this was a fun match to really showcase Wheeler like I said Um, There was some good moments I like when Billy Gunn actually clotheslined both Moxley and Bryan as they were attempting a suicide dive. It um, really showcasing how big Billy Gunn actually is. He towered over Moxley and Bryan, um, and it's amazing to me that Billy Gunn never—he uh, never got over in WWE. Big, like you know, they try to push him too. I remember I, I mentioned it before—the one Billy Gunn gimmick and his run with. Uh, <laughs> chuck palumbo and the billy and chuck tag team that's probably the that's probably his uh highlight really in wwe you know tag champs right there of course uh, his thing with the new age outlaws and stuff as well but um the billy and chuck stuff really stands out <laughs> let's just put it like that um in a good way in a good way but um yeah man a blackpool combat club love hearing william regal there on commentary as he uh, refers to excalibur as the man in the mask <laughs> every week um that's always funny to hear the butcher destroys some jobber nothing to see there just more story progression as the butcher will meet wardlow on AEW dynamite popping off next week and incidentally uh, Dustin Rhodes, actually, uh, challenged CM Punk to a match on that same episode of Dynamite, uh, backstage, he cut a promo, Um uh, yeah, talking about how the best in the world versus the natural, uh, be hyped, if you're not excited for that, I don't know what to tell you, so accept it, Mr. Punk, and indeed, I think that's a good matchup, you know, if they both have that old school style of working, um, I think that's a good play, I think that's a good matchup. Ruby Soho takes on Robin Renegade in the 5th Owen Hart Foundation Women's Tournament Qualifier. That's a mouthful. Um, Now, Robin Renegade has an identical twin sister. Um, I don't remember her name right now. (laughs) But they did uh, some shenanigans. They did the old switcheroo as uh, her sister was under the ring. And her, her name is Charlotte, apparently. Charlotte Renegade, I guess. She would come out and they did the old switcheroo to try to get one over on Ruby Soho. It did not work as Ruby rightfully won the match and is now qualified into the Owen Hart Women's Foundation Tournament. I'm just going to call it the Owen Hart Cup. <laughs> okay. Um, so that was good to see. Ruby Soho kind of has been MIA for quite a while now, actually, on AEW programming. Adam Page and Adam Cole in the big main event for the AEW world title in a Texas death match. Uh, there was a lot a lot of stuff to cover here, guys. There's a lot going on. A lot of big spots. A lot of dangerous spots, quite frankly. Actually, the way in which Adam Page retained his title by doing uh, that finisher—not the buckshot lariat, but what is it called? That other move he does—it's like a, like a reversed tombstone, almost. Like it's a very dangerous maneuver, actually. Very, very dangerous maneuver. I believe it's called. Okay, it's called the Deadeye. Yeah, Page. <clears throat> he he did the dead eye on a table on the outside, and Cole was unable to get to his feet to the count of ten as Adam Page, Mr. Cowboy, shit himself, retained the AEW World Title. Uh, Bleacher Report gave it an A minus. I can I concur. It was a good match. I did watch it. I did watch it. I don't remember everything, but I did watch it. Um, Adam Page is. Uh, They're really trying to establish his title run as to being a success i know i have actually ridiculed it before i've said that i feel like he's he's been kind of a boring champion i mean and and you know yeah he's producing a lot of good matches but where's the story what's the story here he's at the top of the mountain and he's trying to keep his title that's a run-of-the-mill story you know there is no real intrigue right now um so that's my only thing You know, But nonetheless, I mean, this match right here shows you why Adam Page is the champion. And it also shows you why Adam Cole will indeed be champion one day. Because now is not the time. There's a lot of things slowly brewing. And he'll have his moment in the sun as well. But guys, let's get into the news. Uh, AW Rampage was fun. It was a fun episode. Uh, Dare I say it, it had a much better uh, climax than... uh, (laughs) Aew dynamite had prior. Uh, nonetheless, one of the big news stories that I wanted to get into, I alluded to before um, going on that little break. There is Pat Buck, who is and I and I mentioned this actually. I mentioned this. I was like, I know his name sounds familiar, but I don't know who that is. That might have been the last episode I said that. So this guy, Pat Buck, was an Aew. Pro, uh, excuse me. He was a WWE producer. And he quit WWE after WrestleMania Night 2. He was actually involved in the big main event between Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. A lot of people were quite disappointed by that match, actually. Uh, But Pat Buck quit the company saying, you know what, he accomplished his his goals and dreams with WWE by producing a big main event of a big show like WrestleMania. And he said, now... I need to focus on my family Well guess what He actually joined AEW right after (laughs) So I mean yeah he's gonna focus on his family Because AEW has a much Lighter work schedule obviously They're not all over the place like WWE is But uh that is kind of A you know I guess that could be a little retaliation Man for WWE getting Cody Not too many people know who Pat Bucky is though um, apparently, he was also himself a performer before becoming a backstage head, a producer, uh, whatnot. So it's interesting that a former WWE producer joins the AEW team and then we get a very WWE-like climax there in the ending of AEW Dynamite with AEW's version of Great Kali, evidently, right? The Sat Nam Singh uh i i apologize by the way if i am butchering this man's name i don't know if i'm saying his name right satnam i know i got the sing part correct but satnam is it satnam or satanam i don't know that's his first name satnam singh so i don't know man is pat buck you know responsible for that maybe pat buck produced it (laughs) you know what i mean incidentally tony khan did Go on uh, Busted Open Radio. And he said the lights going out was not his idea. But he went with it because the person who suggested it, uh, you know, is a proven uh, producer. In his own words, he said. So perhaps that was Pat Buck. So, um... Yeah, man, now, speaking of, you know, guys jumping ship from WWE to AEW and vice versa, there is crazy rumors now circulating that one John Moxley uh, is actually rumored to return to the WWE. Uh, Now, this is because his contract is going up this year. And he spoke about it. And um, I have an article pulled up here all about it. So let's get to it. A John Moxley WWE return would be the biggest return to WWE since the rumored Cody Rhodes WrestleMania return. The former Dean Ambrose made his name in the WWE first as part of The Shield and then as a singles competitor. John Moxley left WWE in 2019 and immediately signed for AEW making his debut at AEW Double or Nothing 2019. After leaving WWE, John Moxley came to AEW to attack both Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega. He would wrestle both those men, eventually winning the AEW championship from Chris Jericho and then losing it to Kenny Omega. With his contract rumored to be up in 2022, a John Moxley WWE return seems unlikely, but not impossible. He spoke about how he hated how creatively unfulfilling it was working with World Wrestling Entertainment and praise the creative freedom he receives from Tony Khan. However, after seeing Cody Rhodes leave AEW with the expectation to sign with WWE, and he has, it leaves the door open for more AEW talents to sign with Vince McMahon and company. This time next year, we could be seeing John Moxley in WWE with Roman Reigns versus John Moxley headlining WrestleMania 39 for the WWE Championship. So when questioned, when asked, this was with uh, Inside the Ropes. When asked about possibly going to WWE, John Moxley's response was. You gotta say never say never, because you don't want to run back what you said years later because you don't know what'll happen. Just the creation of AEW was so vital to the wrestling industry, and that's part of the reason why I'm so proud to be a part of it. I wouldn't rule out ever doing business with WWE again. We had a mutually beneficial relationship for a very long time. If they called, I would listen. But I highly doubt we would ever be on the same page. I'd be open to an idea. I don't not like money. I got a kid on the way. And I gotta put it through college, you know? So I would take a phone call. But I highly doubt anything would materialize. But never say never. I'm telling you man cody rhodes jumping to aew really busted open a whole nother forbidden door <laughs> you see what i'm saying because now cody could be that bridge that leads to a lot of aew guys jumping to wwe and when i say aew guys i'm not talking about the wheeler yudas the the uh, Bobby Fish <laughs> and the you know the Lee Moriarty's of the world I'm talking about you know the returns of Malachi Black, John Moxley Wardlow perhaps jumping ship you know WWE is gonna throw bags at that man and then with Cody on the inside he could he could help facilitate someone like a Wardlow making that decision to jump ship to wwe now on the part of john moxley you know um <laughs> i don't you know what i'm not gonna repeat myself when i said about cody rhodes that he will never join wwe i don't buy that for one iota blah 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 i'm not gonna say that again because <laughs> i'm not about to eat crow again I, I got sick last time from eating too much crow all i'm gonna say is I doubt it, okay? I doubt John Moxley would go back to WWE. I mean, they would have to offer him money that I just simply doubt WWE is willing to offer him. And, and, and I mean, I want to say it's because of the way he exited WWE. I mean, he exited on good terms for the most part. But they had him injecting his ass. <laughs> Literally, they had him inoculating his own ass on national television. <laughs> With <a laughs> they made him look like a knockoff dc comics bane super villain they had him you know destroying mitch the plant doing really goofball shit now i know cody rhodes when he left wwe he was stardust i get that But Cody's different from Moxley. Cody actually has a family history with WWE. His father, Dusty Rhodes, longtime team member for WWE. And and just the history runs deep with the Rhodes name. The Rhodes name by itself is prestigious. Moxley is not. Moxley is a renegade guy from CZW, okay? I don't think WWE would be willing to throw bags at him the way they did for Cody. Um, they would have to make a significant offer for John Moxley to leave his comfortability that he has in AEW. At least, that's my opinion. But just as Moxley said, never say never because <clears throat> I never thought I'd see Cody Rhodes back in WWE at this juncture. Not when he's the EVP of AEW, helped built the company from the ground up, and then his ass joins WWE. That was a sight to see. I said it on Reddit. I said... The, at the end of the day The almighty dollar Always prevails What a sight to see It's one of the most memorable Wrestlemania moments now Ever etched in history and, and certainly Moxley Going back to WWE That would be crazy as well And you know what A match between him and Roman Reigns At Wrestlemania Would make all the sense in the world It's a story that writes itself So if WWE wants to be lazy, I could see them. Like, listen, the heavy rumor is that The Rock and Roman Reigns is what's going to go down most definitely, right, at next year's WrestleMania in Los Angeles at the SoFi Stadium, which yours truly is going to try to attend. I'm going to try to be there. No promises. But, uh, you know, if, if for any reason, The Rock can't make that WrestleMania, which, guys, it's very possible that The Rock could be like, you know what, fuck. The guy is so busy, man. You know, he could have a new movie that he has to work on, and, I mean, something could come up. Something could come up that could prevent him from, uh, you know, performing at WrestleMania. Now, in a situation like that, WWE would have to dig deep into the wishing well, you know what I'm saying, into their pot of gold for uh, a big replacement for The Rock, now John Moxley, he's he's nowhere near the level of The Rock as far as star power, but for storyline implications and also for just generally speaking the, the 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 magnitude of a john moxley jumping ship from aew back to wwe to have a big wrestlemania match against his former friend and partner and stablemate roman reigns as part of the shield that would be as big as it gets daddy that would be as big as it gets perhaps not as big as the rock versus roman but it would be very close to that magnitude very very close let's let's go over some news articles guys i'm on fightful select you know how i do it i'm gonna just read random headlines and articles and uh go from there alberto el patron is planned for triple a triple mania 30 now alberto has had some controversy he had a case dismissed uh, recently over some crazy allegations quite frankly that he kidnapped some girl and tied her up and Uh, that's nothing to laugh about okay but um yeah he he had some crazy allegations but the case was dismissed now that in itself also was controversial i i didn't read too much into it but i don't know man you know what i mean i I don't know Uh, given alberto's troubled history uh it wouldn't be Out of this world to find that he was in fact guilty even though the case was thrown out. I just believe the witness didn't show up or something like that. So the case was thrown out. So I'm not... Listen, I believe in karma, guys. And everybody in the end gets their just dues. One way or the other, somehow, some way, karma always wins. You can't cheat karma. So if he is guilty of what he was accused of, he's gonna get his it's just like that Gable Steveson guy that WWE's trying to send to the moon right with the crazy hype um, he's been accused as well of some kind of sexual uh, assault controversy and uh, he it, the case was dismissed so but if he really was guilty of that you know even though I mean our law system is kind of flawed we all know that and that's probably an understatement I'm just trying to be nice but um, Everybody gets their come up in in the end. That's all I'm saying. So let's move on. Impact Wrestling viewership is back over a hundred thousand views as of April 14th, 2022. Okay, well, good for them. That's good. You know, the more the merrier. Virgil says he's fighting early stage dementia suffered two massive strokes in recent months so say your prayers for Virgil guys that's a guy who uh you know he had a long history in wrestling as a manager as a mouthpiece or as a side character you know part of the presentation of the million dollar man Ted DiBiase and then Virgil would later find his way into the nwo faction if i remember correctly (laughs) in a in wcw excuse me so yeah man uh virgil one of the most memorable things to me honestly though that's kind of sad it's it's not memorable in a good way actually it's just (laughs) (laughs) excuse me i'll never forget the the pictures that went viral online of virgil poor virgil man you know, sitting at his concession stand, trying to sell autographs and pictures. And it, he his table was completely empty. Like, nobody <laughs> cared about Virgil. And that's one of the most heartbreaking photos I've ever seen. And Virgil is such a good sport. Like, he's made fun of that himself and has even put it on t-shirts, I believe. Like, just the empty concession stand with with poor old Virgil just sitting there. <laughs> So, it's kind of become like a joke, and, you know, it's 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 humorous, but it is kind of sad, you know, because some guys like him, that's how they make their money now, you know? They're like nostalgia acts who go and sit, and like, y- y'all ever see The Wrestler, um, you know, when he's he's doing his thing, and he's sitting there, and um, it was just like that. They recreated that whole scene, actually, in The Wrestler, or perhaps Virgil recreated that scene. I don't know whoever created who, but... Yeah, man, pray for Virgil. Keep him in your prayers, man. And um, I hope he pulls through this. Curtis Axel and Aria Davari get WWE producer tryouts. I guess this is coming off the heels of Pat Buck's departure from WWE and joining AEW. It would make all the sense in the world that WWE is in seek of some producers. Okay, so Battle of the Belts is going down tonight Um, it was already taped it looks like they're actually they have spoilers there i'm not gonna click on that you have to tune in guys battle of the bouts going down is that tnt or tbs i don't even know let me check actually battle of the bouts when is that going down i mean what channel is that going down let's see Let's see, let me open up. I'm on Sling right now, guys. Let's see, let's see what we got here. I'm gonna go to TNT because I I think that's where it's gonna be. Battle of the Belts 2 live on TNT, Uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Uh, We got multiple title matches, including the women's champ Thunder Rosa defending her title against Nyla Rose uh let me record this set this for record I, I completely forgot about this but i guess this was already pre-taped that's interesting uh i oh they probably i wonder if they taped this after the live rampage then that went down last night uh who knows we'll check it out the first battle of the belts was very underwhelming to say the least i don't even remember the matches from that show honestly i just remember it fell flat it was supposed to be one of the big quarterly specials that they do on tnt but maybe this one will uh be better one interesting thing i'm noticing is that uh the lucha bros here are actually in the promo photo uh holding the tag team titles i guess that's an old promo photo then that they're just using yeah, because Britt Baker is also there holding the women's title. So, ah, that probably doesn't mean anything. Um, but I, I hope for Ray Phoenix to make his long-awaited return. He's very missed. Um, you know what I mean? This this Penta Oscuro character is cool. Uh, but I, I do want to see the Lucha Bros doing it big again, man. It would be kind of cool to see them feud, I guess, though. In the meanwhile, while, while Penta is doing his, his Oscuro shtick. He could have a little heel run feuding against Ray Phoenix. And then they reunite again, of course. RK Bro headed to SmackDown on April 15th to confront the Usos. Bully Ray compares ECW to Napster streaming service. <laughs> Says they lived on the edge. Wow, he really dated himself right there <laughs> with that. Oh, man. I never even used Napster. I remember it when I was a kid, but I never used it. I, I was of the infamous uh, LimeWire Kazaa Elk. You know what I mean? Ilk, whatever. I was part of that crowd. Um, giving my my computer AIDS <laughs> You know what I mean? Downloading so many songs off of LimeWire and Kazaa. My cheap ass computer, I remember it would restart randomly. (laughs) I'd try to play music and then that shit would just cut off on me. (laughs) And reboot. Man, I am old. Holy shit. I feel so old right now. Court Bauer. Uh, MLW head honcho he says MLW would love to host FTR versus the von Erics I could dig that um, that that'll be a very throwback type of match as well as the von Erics uh, they're part of a legendary family you know what I mean based out of Hawaii nowadays that's where they live exclusively and MLW enables them uh, the ability to travel you know and, and be comfortable. That's a big act right there for MLW, man. Court Bauer, he, uh... I really want to see him take MLW to bigger heights, you know? That's such a cool promotion to me. Like, I, I honestly feel like MLW is cooler than Impact Wrestling. Honestly even though impact wrestling is perhaps maybe older or 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 not even older but i mean they have a longer time in like the mainstream than mlw does mlw is not necessarily mainstream i know they air on like bn sport they had a vice tv special or two uh whereas impact they had a big run on spike tv so of course they got more exposure but i feel like mlw is a much cooler brand than impact wrestling and could become a more iconic brand as well uh that's just my opinion Here's another article that I alluded to earlier, guys. Tony Khan says he could have done Satnam Singh's debut better. It was not his idea to turn out the lights. Let's go ahead and click this article and read it. Let's see exactly what was said here. So, Wednesday's AEW Dynamite was highlighted by the main event of Samoa Joe versus Minoru Suzuki, which saw Joe capture the ROH Television Championship. After the bout, Jay Lethal and Sanjay Dudd had a surprise for Joe. After Lethal flipped off Joe, the lights went out, and when they came back on, Satnam Singh stood behind Joe before laying waste to the new ROH TV champ. The debut, however, did not go over very well with the fans, as they weren't sure who Singh was, as we had never he had never appeared on AEW TV and wasn't a well-known name in the world of wrestling. Speaking on the Busted Open Radio, uh, Tony Khan addressed criticism of the debut, saying, "Quote unquote." i could have done it better it's one of those things i wish i had done it differently because the fans are always going to be right so if the fans don't like something sometimes there is something where you're trying to get heat so if you're in a trying to get heat situation people aren't always going to love it but there are things about it that i probably shouldn't have that should have done differently now that i see in hindsight to be honest it wasn't my idea to turn the lights out but i am the ultimate filter on who everything goes through i put the outline of the show together and when i came in wednesday i thought it was the best outline i had ever put together one of them at least it was as much strong wrestling as you can fit into the program and i thought up until that point the show was excellent that was the one thing we went off on people might not have liked it Satnam is an important person for us it was important to debut him in a meaningful way and to show that with Jay Lethal he's going to be a force to be reckoned with yeah so he would continue and uh, rag on the whole lights going out thing that was one of the main criticisms for a lot of people um, because they believe the lights should only go out if the the person that's returning or debuting is someone that's already known. Now, I do agree with that, but more so, like I said earlier, what bothered me is, is it's it's just not the fact that Satin I'm seeing is unknown, but it's just not from a character standpoint. It doesn't make any sense for the lights to go out. Like I said, maybe, maybe I'm old school or I don't know what it is, but I, I'm just i always associated the lights going out for like a a supernatural type of gimmick of a character like a undertaker like a Kane, perhaps malachi black it works it fits him you know but you got this guy from india an nba player how does the lights going out for him make any sense you know he's not like a dark character i mean i don't know that's just me just from a character standpoint, it makes no sense to me. Matt Hardy says, let it play out is now a meme because WWE has buried the trust of its audience. I think, uh, needless to say, Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy are probably two guys that will never be returning <laughs> to WWE. I don't think WWE would want them back. They'd probably want John Moxley before the Hardys um anyway Tony Storm opens up about leaving WWE saying it was not the place for her as is the case for a lot of people that leave that, that company Sting files to trademark on a Scorpion logo okay the Stinger representing his roots with a Scorpion Juicy Fanau signs multi-year deal with MLW MLW also making big money moves Signing talents Oh lord WWE files a new trademark on the tag team name of uh, (laughs) Angel Garza and Humberto Carrillo I gotta click this article to see what WWE is gonna name What are they gonna name them? Like Latin Lovers or some corny shit like that? Let's see. Um, WWE filed a trademark on the name of one of his tag team. On Monday, April 11th, WWE filed a trademark to Los Lotarios. Okay, that's that's good. Los Lotarios is comprised of Angel Garza and Humberto Carrillo. They are members of the SmackDown roster and had an Intercontinental Championship opportunity. Uh, WrestleMania SmackDown on Friday, March 31st okay okay los lotharios that's a good name that's a good name that's that's not corny that sounds uh credible sounds legit nyla rose says she would love to be a part of the wrestling industry until her last breath Nyla Rose has really come into her own man she has really hit her stride you know when AEW first popped off 2019 and Nyla Rose was one of the first big signings I remember they made a big deal out of you know the first trans woman wrestler uh you know on a on a wrestling roster on a major tv program man. and and that was a big deal and I seen her work, and I seen her promos, and I was not a believer in her. I did not dig her. I wasn't a fan. Um, but over time, man, over time, she has really grown on me as a performer and as a personality outside of the ring. I mean, if you follow her on Twitter, um, you're going to laugh a lot scrolling through your Twitter feed because she is hilarious. I'm telling you right now. Her Twitter game is A+. Um it's a one, and you know her work in the ring isn't too shabby, and she has proved that. You know she's good in the ring. Um, she doesn't need Vicky Guerrero. You know what I mean? Like she's actually pretty charismatic on her own. But with that said, <clears throat> I do feel like Vicky Guerrero does add a nice element to her character to her presentation. But yeah, Nyla Rose, I'm proud of her. I'm really proud of her. She has really come into her own. Brian Cage hopes to work both AEW and ROH shows. Wow, he wants to go to work, huh? Brian Cage, man. Call him the workhorse. Outwork everyone is uh, Christian Cage's motto. But Brian Cage with this attitude here, man, he's on his way to stealing that catchphrase. That's good. That's good. You love to see it. Juice Robinson has exit stage left as he is leaving NJPW. Now, Juice Robinson is the real life husband, I believe, of uh, Tony Storm. So perhaps he wants to be with her. So perhaps uh, what I'm getting at, maybe we could see a Juice Robinson is all elite graphic in the not too distant future. He does claim that he wants to take less uh, dates, so I guess he wants to settle down. You know, it's a, it's like I mentioned in the last episode or two, pro wrestling is it's the kind of endeavor. It's the kind of career that doesn't have a long shelf life. You know, you don't want to do it for too long. You don't want to bang up your body, man. You know, when I think about guys like Kurt Angle, for an example, my goodness. Kurt Angle, he's an anomaly. You know, like, he's he's a one-of-a-kind performer, man. Uh, <clears throat> I was actually, matter of fact, this morning, actually. <laughs> I literally <laughs> spent a little... I spent about 10 15 minutes just watching uh Perk <laughs> Perk Angle compilations on YouTube. <laughs> just type in on search Perk P E R C Angle uh and and you're going to you're not you won't regret it. <laughs> perk Angle was on another level. But uh he became Perk Angle. For a reason. You know. And it's not because he was trying to indulge in painkillers. It's because he needed them. Because his body was fucking run down already. You know what I mean? Like. He like broke his neck like three different times. I mean. He won a gold medal with a broken neck. That's a shoot brother. It don't get no better. And you know. Yeah. But Kurt Angle is just one of the many. You know. Pro wrestling. It's a tough business. People like to call it. And that's why. And that's why. Calling it fake is blasphemy, you know, because when you have wrestlers with broken necks, guys like Draws, who are paralyzed to this day, quadriplegic, he's paralyzed, he can he can't walk, he's he has to he, he roll around in a in a wheelchair from a botched power bomb or something, you know. You you can't tell a man like that that pro wrestling's fake. How do you think he'll react, sitting in that wheelchair, you know, having to be moved around? How do you think he'll react if you say wrestling's fake in front of him? He's gonna be like, bruh, bruh, look at me! Look at me! <laughs> Pro wrestling is not fake. It is it is scripted, yes, it is predetermined, it is pre-planned, it's a performance, yes. But these guys are legitimately falling on a thin layer of matting that's on top of plywood. That's all the wrestling ring is. It's plywood. With some thick matting over the plywood. With microphones underneath to make the the mat sound more impactful. Which it is very impactful. There is a spring. There is a spring in the center that does provide a bounce type of effect. But it's nothing like a trampoline. It's nothing like a jumper. The ring hurts. (laughs) It's not soft. (laughs) Okay. Listen to the referee when he counts, right? When he does the one, two, when he zaps his hand on the mat. It's solid, okay? You know what I mean? <clears throat> These guys are legitimately putting their bodies through uh, through a lot of shit. <laughs> so, I could respect that. Any wrestler like a Juice Robinson, you know, who, who says, you know what? I want to work less, man. I want to take less dates. I want to take some time off. I respect them. They deserve it. You know, this is a tough, tough business. I, I really wanted to be a part of this business, you know what I mean? Growing up, I wanted to be a wrestler. That's why I was on the wrestling team in high school. Uh, unfortunately, life humbles you. You know, like I said before, you know, your <laughs> your goals and your dreams change. You know, one one year you think you want to do something or be something, and then the next year it completely changes due to either circumstances or, you know, just shit changes you know and my 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 is i i never got bigger <laughs> i was always like a small kid uh and then you know going through high school and and as i started getting older i realized i wasn't getting any bigger and until this day i'm 32 years old i'm five foot six I'm, i am 205 pounds right now but that's not 205 pounds of muscle that's a uh, that's 205 pounds of pure fast food and cold jellas. That's what that is But uh, yeah, I never got bigger So, you know, I'm not a Rey Mysterio type of guy I can't fly around or nothing like that So I I gave it up, you know But I love this business That's why I do this podcast too I love this business I wish I I was a part of it In some form or fashion but uh, speaking of, um, you know, career changes and career ideas, I do want to give you guys an update on this podcast before I sign off here. Um, just to let you know what's been going on lately. I know the highlight reel has changed a lot over over the years, over the past two years and, and more specifically over these past several months. Uh, I know the whole format of this show has changed. Um, it's very different and I'm doing it a lot less and that's actually gonna get even, even more so. It's gonna become less because I am in the process of going to a truck driving academy uh, to become a truck driver. And, and the only reason I'm telling you this is because expect that there's gonna be very little to no episodes of the highlight reel in the not too distant future. I'ma try to keep this show going as much as I can in the meanwhile, uh, but there is gonna come a time where uh i might just have to <clears throat> take an extended hiatus you know what i mean because i am uh looking to become a truck driver man go over the road see the world you feel me uh <laughs> see all the different beautiful freeways and <laughs> and and loading docks right um but yeah I'm, I'm following in my uncle's footsteps man i'm gonna try to you know start trucking and who knows i have thought about many ideas on how i can continue this podcast while i'm trucking i've thought about maybe taking a gopro camera with me in the truck i don't know if that's something you guys would like to see and uploading that to youtube maybe i could do a, a one of those trucker vlogs there's so many of them on youtube but i don't think there's any of any truckers who do wrestling coverage <laughs> while they're driving you know what I mean? That could be something. Um, I, I don't know if I would like do it live. I'd probably just record me driving and then voice over the driving and talk about wrestling. I don't know. I've been thinking about a lot of different ways, guys, that I could keep this show going. Because I love doing this. It is fun. It is improving my, my speaking ability. That's one thing I've been trying to improve for a very long time. Because I feel like... Uh, my speech impediment or whatever, like I have like a speech impediment or I don't, I don't know, but I just feel like my conversational skills overall is not up to par what it should be, um, and that's one thing I'm trying to get. Uh, so, yeah, man, um, <clears throat> I love doing this. You know, it has become a chore at times too. No, I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> just throwing that out there. There are times where I feel like this shit is a chore. You know what I mean? It's like if, if if you know, I got about 25, 30 listeners, and sometimes I don't feel motivated. Like man, come on, <laughs> and, you know. And, and then I know when I take hiatuses, uh, my listenership drops as well. I think my last episode did like, uh, like ten clicks. <laughs> so I don't know, man. It's it's hard to stay motivated, but I do love doing this. This is a uh, this is fun, and it's it's uh it's good for me as well. So that's just a heads up guys you know the highlight reel um is probably gonna take a little break might take a little vacay for uh several months at a time we'll see i will be over the road um i will only be back home for two days and in those two days i ain't gonna want to do nothing but just sleep and spend time with my old lady and uh you know how it is uh uh we got to Yeah, man, we got to live life. So just giving you the heads up. But in the meantime and in between time, I want to thank you very much for joining me on this edition of the Highlight Reel. I know this episode is very long. Um, Once again, R.I.P. Gilbert Gottfried, uh, one of the many voices of my childhood. Guys, don't forget to tip your waitresses. Don't forget to tip your Lyft drivers, please. Okay, wash your hands, wash your ass. And I will see you soon. Uh, Adios.